2017. Well, here we are. Before we get into the message today, I just want to remind you that Wednesday night I will be resuming the Bible study in Philippians, 6 o'clock p.m. Wednesday evening in the Fellowship Hall. Come, enjoy. It's a relaxed time of Bible study and prayer. And then Thursday night, uh, Brother Dave has said that we're going to begin a new session on the Truth Project on Thursday evening. Several of you have mentioned that you would like to start the Truth Project, but you'd like to do it at, in the evening hour. 6 p.m. Thursday evening will be the first session, but we need for you to sign up in the foyer, if you would, just so we'll know about how many people will be coming. Today, I'm beginning a series Uh, on Joshua. I will be preaching on Joshua in the evening services beginning next week. And so I like Joshua. He's one of my favorite Old Testament characters. And so walk with me, if you will. The secret of success is outlined in these first nine verses of chapter one of Joshua. And it reads thusly, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. And from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, may these words just resound within us. May they take root and grow in our hearts and minds. Lord God, let us realize that 2017 is a year that is going to honor and glorify you, and we want to be a part of that. Lord God, you're doing a fantastic work in this world today and especially in this community in which we live. And Lord, we just want to be a part of your goal for this world, to be an instrument in your hands. Father, we just thank you for the privilege of calling us into your activity. Thank you. Be with us now. Impart your word to us. Maybe be very careful to do all that you've asked us to do. And Lord, we want to be giving you the praise and the glory and the honor that you so richly deserve through it all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ron Hudson knows my affinity for my favorite philosopher. That would be Charlie Brown. (laughs) 
I've read a lot of philosophers, but nobody gets it right like Charlie Brown does. Well, Ron gave me the, uh, this cartoon strip, comic strip, and here we see Lucy at her psychiatric help booth. Five cents, worth every penny. And as she's looking at Charlie Brown, she's just disgusted with him. She says to him, sometimes I feel that we're not communicating. You, Charlie Brown, are a foul ball in the line drive of life. She continues, you're in the shadow of your own goalpost. You are a miscue. You are three putts on the 18th green. You are a 7-10 split in the 10th frame. A love set. You have dropped a rod and reel in the lake of life. You are a missed free throw, a shanked nine iron, and a call third strike. Do you understand? Have I made myself clear, she says to Charlie Brown. Shocked, he looks back at her and says, just wait till next year. I don't know about you, a lot of us are here at 2017, we feel the same thing. Just wait till next year. I see in the national uh, surveys that we have the two most popular goals, resolutions for New Year's. Weight loss, exercise. Is that so boring or what? I mean, every year we do the same thing. I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm going to lose 10 pounds in the next month. Well, I don't know where I put it, but it, you know, I'm not looking back behind me either. So <laughs> I'm not sure anything was lost. And, I, I, and, and what did we gain through it all? Those of you I mentioned Wednesday night that are members of health clubs, you notice the first three weeks of those health clubs in January, you can't even get to the exercise equipment. But after that, the resolve is over. So much for that. Well, what I want to remind you is the secret of success. We have so many books that are out in the bookstore today about how to be successful, what it looks like, how you're going to accomplish success. The first nine verses of Joshua literally tell you the three ways to accomplish success in your life. So if you're looking to be a successful individual, male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter, here's the secret of success right here. Well, first of all, I want to tell you a little bit about Joshua as we begin this series. Joshua was a slave. Josephus, the ancient historian, says that, that Joshua was born in slavery in Egypt, that he was approximately 40 years of age when uh, Moses began to lead the exodus and that being a slave in Egypt he had a chance through those 40 years of seeing and experiencing all of the things the Egyptians did to the Jewish slaves in the building of the pyramids and the uh, agricultural exploits and so on and so forth. So he was a slave. He was also a soldier. We don't know how he got his skills or his expertise. But we do know that as commander of the army, he defeated the Amalekites two months into the Exodus wilderness journey. Uh, 
Exodus 17 talks about those particular exploits. And the Lord used Joshua and his conquer of Amalek into even greater things. He was a servant. Moses called him a servant in Exodus 24. That he was a minister is what that word literally means to Moses. He was one that stood by Moses. He was literally there. He went with Moses and stood at the foot of the mountain as Moses went to get the Ten Commandments. He was one who stood outside the tent of the tabernacle as Moses went in to meet God. He was a spy. Numbers 13 talks about how each uh, of the 12 tribes gave a representative to spy out the land that God had promised them. Ten of the spies came back with a negative report saying that we were like grasshoppers in their sight. We were they're, they're a land filled with giants and, and giant challenges, if you will. And Joshua and Caleb said, you know what? It's a land filled with milk and honey, and God has given us this land. We can do this, you know? So there's Joshua. Well, we start out the first chapter. Here we are on the first day of January in a brand spanking new year. God looks at Joshua, verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that we need to put to rest for 2016. The last chapter of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24, talks about the fact that Moses died, and after Moses' death, there was a 30-day mourning period in which the entire nation of Israel mourn the death of Moses. So why would God make that statement like hitting us between the eyes with a sledgehammer? Moses, my servant, is dead. Sometimes in our lives, as we begin to move forward for the Lord, we need to understand that all that has transpired is past. That we need to lift our eyes from the back of us or inwardly to in introspection and begin to look forward to begin to receive the things that God has promised us. His promises, His blessings are in front of you today. I am absolutely convinced that the year 27 can be the greatest year in your history as an individual and can absolutely be the greatest year in the life of Trinity Baptist Church. It all depends on our response to the Lord. So here we have, there's three things that I want to leave with you today. Three steps to success. Step number one is you've got to have God. That's kind of like one of those duh statements. But it's true. We don't seize the day with the Lord. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, God says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9, God says, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Verse 13, the Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Verse 15, the Bible says, the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you until they have too have taken possession of the land that the Lord is giving them. Verse 19 says 
basically the same thing. For he says, whoever rebels against your word, uh, verse 17 and up, just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whatever you may command them, only be strong and courageous. The chapter ends. So, we need God. God is the absolute author and key to our victory. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans within a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Rick Warren put it this way, Without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Did you get that? Without God, life has no purpose. Without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. Jesus put it this way, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Get your ducks in a row, but make sure those ducks are lined up behind the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we, we have that priority, uh, He says, as far as God, He says, talk with God. Verse 8, He says this, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, Meditate on it day and night. That word meditate literally means to mutter. In those days, in Hebrew life, they would speak out loud the word of God, not only to themselves, but to one another. So that word meditate means mutter. Think on these verses. In every situation, in every circumstance in life, mutter or meditate on the word of God. Allow God's word to repeat itself to you and then allow yourself to repeat it out loud to somebody else. Can you imagine there in Kroger or wherever you shop? There you are in the aisle and you're trying to think of something and all of a sudden the Word of God comes to you and you start saying that word out loud. And people around you are thinking, what shelf is he or she looking at? You know? And it's okay. Because in order to meditate on the Word of God, we need to know the Word of God. So it becomes a matter of devotional time. And it also talks about walking with God. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Walk with God. Talk with God. How will we know God until we spend time with Him in His Word, in communication with Him, in prayer, in fellowship with Him through His believers? God must be our pilot, not our co-pilot. As the word goes, if God is your co-pilot, change seats. You know, this is something that I think you and I need to understand as we look back on 2016. Was this a time when we literally took control of our lives from the hands of God? Were there circumstances or situations where we literally took it away from Him and said, You know, I got this, Lord. I can do this. All by myself. Some of us like to think that we're so strong-willed 
You know, they're, they're an independent person. Well, that can be an indictment on you spiritually. Because to be dependent on God means the road to success as an individual. God is God if you're co-pilot. Change seats. Well, that's number one. Number two is to have clear goals. Verse 2 through 4, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, the Great Sea, the Euphrates, all the Hittite territory to the Great Sea on the west. So what was Moses' three goals? Uh, the same as was with Joshua. And Joshua took the leadership and going into the promised land, God said, here's three things I want you to do, Joshua. Lead the people into the land, defeat the enemy, claim the inheritance. You got that? Lead the people, defeat the enemy, claim the inheritance. There you go, Joshua. There's your goals for your life. Alice in Wonderland. Alice was at the juncture of the road that leads in different directions and as she came to that juncture she asked the Cheshire cat for advice Cheshire puss would you tell me please she said which way I ought to go from here well that depends a good deal on where you want to get to said the cat I don't much care where said Alice then it really doesn't matter which way you go said the cat I have learned in my pilgrimage in life that if you don't know where you're going, you never know when you arrive. Okay? It's a hard thing for some of us to come to that juncture where we look up at God and we say, Lord, which way should I go? Where do you want to get to? God responds to us. I don't know. Don't really care, maybe we say then God kind of responds by simply saying, then it really doesn't matter which route you take. But if you know where you're going, God will show you how to get there. So you'll know which route to take at that point. The goal is finding where you're, you want to arrive and then you'll know how to get there through the Lord Jesus Christ. Dennis Waitley in his book on Seeds of Greatness, said the reason so many fail to achieve their goals in life is that they never really set them in the first place. So we have people prior to retirement telling us financial goals that you need to do in order to, to have a successful retirement. We have people giving us goals about physical fitness, about dieting, about uh, emotional stability, about spirituality, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem with it is, is that we personally never set our goals. And so, as a result, we tend to flounder around. Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who is the author of Psycho-Cybernetics, said this, Once you establish the goal, your mind constantly hones in on the target like a guided missile. No goal means the mind wanders aimlessly. No goal, the mind wanders aimlessly. 
So you know, what is your goal? And you break it down on a daily basis. What is your goal for today? My life goal, my daily goal, my life verse is Philippians 3.10. And it begins by saying that I may know Him. Well, how do you get to know Jesus if you don't spend time with Him? How do you get to know Him if you don't spend time in your, at the beginning of your day in knowing Jesus Christ through His Word, through a devotional time, through prayer, through fellowship with other believers? How do you get to know Him if you don't spend time with Him? You want to be a close friend to somebody and you decide not to spend time with that individual? The chances are very strong that you're not going to be a good friend to that particular person. And so, our purpose in life will produce our passion. I have spoken in so many pulpits across America, and I have seen passionless churches. Oh, they meet, and they get their bulletins, and sit down in their place, and they have a, just a real sweet little worship service, and they feel good, and they pat the pastor on the back when they leave, and that's gone, and, and you're thinking... Is that, is that really all there is to this? The fact that they're passionless means that their congregation begins to become a passionless congregation. And so it has made very little impact or difference on their own community because of their lack of passion. How does that passion happen? It happens with our purpose. Our purpose in life is to know God through Jesus Christ more intimately every day that we live. Now, your best time might be a, not be a morning time. You might not be a good morning Lord person. You, you're that good Lord morning person. Maybe your time is somewhere else. But if you, have, if you are purposeful in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to make sure that your day starts in His presence and ends the same way. And all through the time in between, you're constantly aware, conscious of His presence in your life so that you understand that I'll be muttering these words. I'll be meditating on it day and night. I'll be thinking about the devotional that I read this morning. I'll be, I'll be in prayer for those people that I've lifted up to the Lord and anybody else that He puts across my mind today. And I will look forward to the fellowship with His people. And then that, that purpose begins to produce passion in your life. And that passion becomes contagious. And the congregation becomes a passion-filled, not a passion-less congregation. Wow. Determine your course. Verse 7 and 8. I want you to see this. He says, Do not turn from it to the right or left, that you may be successful wherever you go. You know, we the enemy throws out so many distractions to our lives. We have a hard time focusing on Jesus. We turn on the TV and and there's all the good negatives. I heard somebody on the broadcast this morning saying, you know, all I saw at the end of 2016 were all the crises that happened in 2016. No good news. Well, why is that? And why do we allow ourselves to be distracted by the negative? Why do we allow ourselves to be distracted by that which is ungodly or unholy or unspiritual? Why do we allow the enemy 
to turn our attention away from Jesus Christ? Why do we turn to the right or to the left? Why, is, why does that ever happen? Because we lose our focus. When you lose your focus, you're going to lose your passion. When you lose your passion, you lose your purpose. And vice versa. Wow. So where are you today? Day 1, 2017. When you came this morning, what was your intent? To meet up with some friends? To have lunch with some friends? Or was it actually to encounter the living God? Wow. There's all the difference in purpose and lack of it. Thirdly, not only do you need God and you need goals, you need grit. I love grit, you know? True grit. The determination in spite of all obstacles to accomplish whatever you set out to do. Andrew Jackson said, one man with courage makes a majority. I would change that by simply saying, one person plus God is a majority. You don't have to worry about the rest of the politically correct crowd. One person with courage makes a majority. Thomas Edison had 700 failures, to which he wrote, success is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. We've all seen that, that plaque on Press On. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful individuals with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. We need to learn that God has called us to be faithful, not fruitful. Man, I've seen William Carey serve for seven years in India without a single convert, and yet India now has the Bible translated into its own language because of William Carey. And the converts are legion. Michelangelo said, If people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful after all. Another one has said, Winners work at doing things the majority of the population are not willing to do. Because you see, life isn't really a sprint after all. It's a marathon. Most of us could handle a sprint. My kids do a marathon, 26.2 miles. Now, I'm not doing that. My daughter-in-law, as cute as she is, she sends us photographs of her knees all swollen up afterwards. And I say, why do you do that? And then you come to realize that life is just like that. There are days that we go in swollen and sore, bruised by the uh, efforts of the day. And we could easily just drop out at that point. But God, because we have purpose that produces a passion for Him, and we've spent time with Him, says, you know what? Today is another leg in that marathon that we call life. And today, I want you to run it to the best of your ability. I don't feel like it, you respond. God said, I'm not interested in your feelings. I'm interested in your obedience. I want you to be faithful. 
I'll become fruitful through you, but I'm calling you to be faithful. So what's the year going to be like in your life? Well, the steps to success, according to the first nine verses of Joshua and throughout the scriptures as well, is that we must have God first through Jesus Christ. We must have goals that He gives us. And then thirdly, the grit to accomplish it all. Well, you're here this morning. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to open your heart at the beginning of this brand new year to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him and I will abide in him. Well, the door is something that you are in control of. You can either keep him out or invite him in. This is your opportunity to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. Secondly, maybe you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've not followed Him in public profession of faith or baptism. This is your morning to come forward and begin this new year by being obedient at that point. Maybe you're looking for a church home. This is where God has called you to serve. This is where you need to anchor. I don't know any greater church to be involved with than Trinity Baptist Church. And then finally, for all of us, this is a time of renewal to begin 2017 with purpose that produces passion. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we praise you for who you are and we thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us. Lord, I know there are decisions being made even now and I thank you for them. Lord God, be with us today. May we honor and glorify you above all things with these decisions. And Father, may we be very careful to do according to all that you've said, to not turn to the right or to the left, but to go straight down the road with our eyes fixed on you. Thank you, Jesus. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing the hymn of invitation, and I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord calls you to make.